Welcome back to the Code of Man podcast this week as you join us for part two of our discussion on uncovering the hidden problem of sexual sin. We trust this has been a help so far and you'll enjoy today's program. In the heart of a champion. Here's something that I think is helpful. Reading the Psalms, we understand that David was a, a warrior and he had real physical enemies in his life. He, he battled things. He fought with swords. But I also like to read the Psalms with the understanding that David was also a spiritual warrior. And you and I are not going to walk out doors today or tomorrow and get into a physical altercation, we hope. But I'll tell you one thing we will do. We will have to battle what we're talking about fiercely and we need to be prepared for that. One of the things that David says, so I'm saying you read the word enemies in the Psalms, I always like to apply it to spiritual warfare. And he said in Psalm 56 too, mine enemies would daily swallow me up for they be many that fight against me. And that's what we've been describing. This is such a big thing. It's a prevalent temptation in our society today. We've talked about pornography. We've talked about fornication. Now, we all know deep down in the core this isn't right. So in terms of trying to help people do this battle, let's talk about the dangers of it. How is it hurting us? What is it bringing into our life that we need to be aware of? And I think maybe a way I would introduce that would be to ask a question that I had in my mind as, as we thought about this and got ready to do it, and that was what drives men into looking in the first place. Hmm. And I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm suspecting that men that really struggle with this, and this may have changed with the introduction of the cell phone, but men that really struggle with this, at least from my generation before, probably got introduced to it at an early age. I'm guessing on that. So that would explain or answer that in some ways. But in terms of why are men looking in the first place, before this becomes an addiction and a bondage, before it even Let's say before it turns into lust, if an eight-year-old boy picks up a, a Playboy magazine, which I don't even know if they print those anymore, you know, like real material because it's all digital. But if, if, he, if he finds that, we're not talking lust here. We're not talking addiction. But there is something that catches him and holds him there. And I'm not inviting us into graphic talk. I just think it's important to... The guy that struggles with this, we need to identify what's going on here. Yeah. If you're going to break free from this, you got to know what is it that's bringing me to it. And I, I wrote down a, a list of a few things. I just want to bounce them off of you and see what you think, if they resonate, if they don't. Actually, let me back up and use the one you mentioned that we were talking about earlier, curiosity. Let's mm -hmm. put that at the number one. Curiosity drives it, but that's probably in the younger mm -hmm. age category, right? Yeah. yeah, I would think so. I mean, especially if you're coming from 
they're coming from the the purity culture background. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you're a little kid and your mom used to tell you, "Don't eat that. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. Don't eat that." And the only thing that you can think of is, "Why can't I eat that? Like why? What? Don't yeah. don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that." Why? Why? What's you know? It's the same temptation that Satan got Eve with in the garden. You know, all the other good stuff that she could enjoy. You're missing out on something. Yeah. So, yeah. so what is it? What, what am I missing out on? What, what is there? And so Alice jumps down the rabbit hole, and then before long, and it just it starts from something as very simple as, huh? Well, I I wonder. And then, as you mentioned, you know, the wonders of Google. Click, 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 and you're in way over your head from something very as simple as just, huh. So if you take that a little bit further into adulthood and into where men are staying in that world and in that sin, curiosity may still play a factor because maybe he's wanting to know more. Maybe he's looking for how can I do this better? How can I achieve the dream that I saw in the movies? It's something new. Mm-hmm. You're searching for something new. It's it's there's that curiosity there, and you're seeing things you've never seen before, and you're constantly looking for something. I would definitely agree with the curiosity part, especially for those where the families they just don't talk about it, mm-hmm. and, and they grow up in a culture where okay, you're told that you know you don't do this, and we just don't talk about it, especially when questions are asked. And there's an awkwardness there. Where do babies come from? Right. Yes. The stork brings them. Of Ask course. Your dad. <laughs> that is not the way we should respond to our children. Yeah. And can you imagine? Let's just use this analogy for a minute. Imagine we spoke to our children about driving the same way we that our generation, Easy Target, were talked about with sexual things. Because I know. When it comes to driving, parents are all over that. I mean, most good parents, mm-hmm. they are all over it because they say, hey, I want to teach you all these different things. I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you everything that you need to know so when you get to this stage in your life, you know how to be safe. But with sexual things, it's, hey, don't do it until you get married, and when you do, you'll figure it out on your own. Good luck. And that's it. I love that analogy because we teach all the rules of the road because— you have to be able to drive. You have to be able to navigate society. So you need to know how to do it safely. We've just highlighted that this problem is rampant in society. We can't live in a cave. I mean, we, we have to navigate through society, but there's a way to do it safely. Right. There's a way to not run off into the ditch. There's a way to not hit this guardrail. There's a way to safely make it from point A to point B. You don't stick your head in the sand and pretend that the dangers aren't there, but you learn how to navigate and set the proper barriers, set the proper restrictions, do the right things, and don't pretend like the evil's not there. You acknowledge it, but you train how to do it. Same thing's true with the internet, with printed media, all of this kind of stuff. We need to acknowledge that there's absolutely dangers out there, so we need to learn how to use things and guard our hearts the same way we guard our automobile. Well, to the mom and daddy's listening right now, if you have a teenage boy and you allow him to have a computer unrestricted in his room all by himself, I'm going to go out 
on a limb here and say he's not Googling math problems at 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's just be honest here. That is not a smart thing to do. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. It's just letting a 7-year-old, a 10-year-old have unrestricted internet unsupervised. You're asking for trouble. Well, and the reason that happens is because of a lack of courage. Yeah. Parents who don't want to deal with the hard topics. And a lot of times that's because mom and dad have not allowed Christ into their life to heal Mm -hmm. those broken places. Therefore, they don't have the courage or the spiritual strength to engage in that battle. Or the awareness. Or a way to at least explain, yeah, and understand what's going on inside of them. So, well, you said at one time in another podcast, the well, what's that that excuse you hear a lot of parents say? Well, they were raised in church, mm-hmm. you know. So, how many mom and moms and dads would discover that their seventeen, eighteen year old kid is addicted to pornography and go, oh, "I can't believe I raised them in church." Go slap them in the back of the head, and treat them like you know, shame them in public, and I can't believe you did that. I trusted you, well, and then walk them up in front of the church and let's have them confess it, right? And <laughs> and exactly. let, yeah. You know? Yeah. Because well, that's the way they did it back in the, you know, Salem witch trial, so, you know, right. that's what we got to do. Yeah. That worked out well. <clears throat> so, <laughs> and look, by the way, church discipline is a real thing too scripturally, but we we got a lot of steps to go through before we march a child, a youth up in front of the church and shame them for sins that people sitting in the pew are guilty of and just hadn't got caught. And not only that, but some denominations ours included, we do one end of church discipline so well, but the other end we're not very good at. And that's the part where Paul said, if that young man comes back to the church, you receive him. And restore. Yeah, exactly. Receive him because it's about the restoration. You mentioned Galatians 6.1 before we started recording their old easy target. So I think this is helpful because it's it's helping as grown-ups think about our own children. So we got to deal with the realities ourselves. So right. curiosity, Here, here's the probably the next most obvious. Why do men get drawn into this? Or a matter of fact, even women, why are they drawn yeah. into pornography? Well, it's the pleasure factor. Yes, It's the arousal that comes from that. Now, here's something that needs to be said. I, I said this earlier today when we were discussing this. I think this is okay to say. Men love breast. All right, men love, men enjoy the naked female body. Yeah. Now, here's a news flash to everybody listening. It's supposed to be that way. Right. All right, it's it's but what it's not supposed to be is you enjoying everybody's breast, <laughs> whether they're yeah. offering it or not. Yeah, right. So scripturally, you know, Proverbs says, Proverbs chapter 5 about or your wife let her breast satisfy yeah. thee, and I, I, the language there is really great. I guess I should just read it, but you know, he, he says, "Don't let your fountains be dispersed abroad." Yeah, he says, it's a great "Keep verse. it at home." It's a great verse. Yeah, keep it at home. It's, yeah. it's, but the pleasure factor has to be addressed sure. because it's drawing in, and people are looking for that. You know, people are. Addicted to that even. It becomes addiction. Even the ones who aren't looking for it. So another one that ties oh, yeah, right yeah, yeah. into that Good point. is culture. Mm-hmm. Just the, the prince, the power, the air, the world that we live in. And just for the young kid who's just trying to search something on, on the internet and misspell something. And the next thing he knows, he has this 
adrenaline rush and high he's never experienced before because he's seeing nude women all over the place. I shouldn't give an example, I guess. Um, The other day I was looking for a picture to put with our devotional that we post. And and I I called my wife in and said, come come here and look at this. I said, this is how easy this is. Mm -hmm. I think what I typed in was setting in, how did I type it? I was looking for a picture of someone setting in nature, like a beautiful nature scene. I don't know how I worded it, but setting in setting in nature, beauty in nature, something mm-hmm. like that. Sure. All it was, now there was nothing pornographic, but all it brought up was a bunch of women setting, either posing or hair flaring, you know. And But what I saw was, you know what, I'm, I'm a step away. I'm one click away from... The rabbit hole. Yep. Well, in the rabbit hole, what that is, so there is the initial temptation that is not a sin. Yeah. You're watching a movie and you screened it. You looked on common sense media or whatever it is. You asked people about it and there it is right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Or you're on the internet. Maybe you don't have an ad blocker and you're just looking for whatever and there's somebody in their underwear. Setting in beautiful nature. Right. Setting in beautiful nature. That's where the itch starts and the temptation starts. And that's where you have that urge to want to scratch that itch. Old Tim shows up. Old Tim shows up and you begin doing something called you hunt. Mm -hmm. Now, before you know it, if you don't go ahead and settle that thing, and as as James says, James 4, 7, Mm -hmm. submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And if you do get into that wanting to, to look and you let your thoughts wonder, repent of that because the last thing you want to do is live in that because the next thing you know you may not be looking at pornography may not be going to every strip club you see on the corner of whatever but you are going to be hunting for things you're going to be looking at women at work your thoughts are going to be going all over the place you're going to be going to accidentally walk by the magazine rack at the grocery store and just hope you run into something and see something to satisfy that itch yeah because you mentioned earlier There's been a lot that's been spoken about here over the last few weeks about desire and about how desire in and of itself is given to us by God. God created us to have desire. So the desire is not the sin, it's not the wickedness. Unchecked desire that is fulfilled in places that God has not allowed for it, that becomes the the sin. So everything that we're discussing, the urge and the the things that that are coming up, that itch is part of that desire, but we've got to be very careful where we are allowing that desire to be filled in and what we are allowing ourselves to pursue after for that desire. So on the topic of the temptation, you, you make me think of how we address that. I think of the writing of Thomas Kempis in The Imitation of Christ, and, and I love this book. I'm reading this at least once a year, and I tell you, it's a powerful, powerful book. But this is what, what something he says in, in this book on the Resisting Temptation chapter. He says, We must be attentive, especially when temptation begins, because then the enemy is more easily overcome. He must not be allowed within at all, but should be resisted at his first knock and kept outside. First, a simple thought comes to mind. Then, a strong image. Mm-hmm. Then, delight, evil attraction, and finally, consent. If he is not resisted from the beginning, the wicked enemy gains full entrance little by 
little. And he wrote that last week, right? <laughs> yeah, sounds like yeah. it, doesn't it? Yeah. 1400, you 1400s said? was when that was written. Goodness. And he didn't have the internet and cell phones. And, of course, they, they did have writings of harlots back in the day. But that is one thing that goes back to our original point. Yes, pornography is wrong. But also, watching movies with nudity on Netflix that's pornography also. That is wrong. Even, oh, it's just five seconds. It's only, oh, that's just a little part of the movie. Listen to yourself. Ask yourself, how far have I come? Why am I defending this? Why do I even need to look at this trash? Psalm 101.3. Holiness 101 here, right? Right. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Yeah. And the meaning behind that verse even opens it up more because it's not just I'm not going to look at it, but what David was saying is I'm not going to let anything vain, worthless, or vile be the guide of my life. And see, that's what happens with these things. We're drawn in, and we begin to follow them. Mm -hmm. We begin to live in them. We wake up one day to find ourselves in bondage to the sin. So we've talked about curiosity and pleasure. Well, here's another one. Escape. And I think escape factors in with just about any kind of addiction that you want to talk about or any kind of sexual, what am I trying to say? Anything that you become bound and enslaved to. It's the exact same thing like with cigarettes. You know, you don't start off needing the fix. You start off for one other reason, but then that becomes your outlet. That becomes where you go to to unwind or it comes to, oh, I just need a break or I just need to unplug or I need to... Right. Get that release. Well, according to the Recovery Village, some more statistics for you, 20% of men and 13% of women who were surveyed admit to accessing pornography while at work. Hmm. So that word escape, the mm-hmm. stress, the procrastinating to do things, all those different things, and, oh, I just need a break. And it's, you know, you do this with anything that becomes your relief. It's why fornication is very akin to idolatry because it is something that you go to in order to fulfill or find relief rather than taking your heart to God. So let me say this. G.K. Chesterton said this, Every time a man knocks on a brothel door, he is really knocking for God. Now when you think about that, Wow. Take out brothel door every time a man goes and eats another slice of cake. Now, again, eating cake is not the problem, and it's hard to make a comparison with these sexual sins and the other in that regard. I mean, self-control, you can introduce that. Well, what I'm saying is is that if you have a piece of cake at dinner, that's not... That's not a sin, but but it's always a sin to go to a brothel. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's a really good point. (laughs) As opposed to... Having a piece of cake at dinner is different than, you know, I'm just stressed out. I'm going to go get a piece of cake. That was good. I'm going to get another piece of cake. Yeah. And, and it turns into a comfort. We're seeking our comfort from this yes. outside source rather than the inner peace that God is trying to give us through Christ and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, work can do the same thing. Yes, it you can. Know, or is, yes, is something can. wrong? Look, I'll be all right. Just give me about four hours at work and I'll be fine because mm-hmm. I'll get my mind off of it. And before we know it, we have made work an idol in our life. Yes. C.S. Lewis made the statement, something to this effect, that most of our addictions are the result of natural desires taken to unnatural extremes. Yeah. And so, so many things in our life that are good and wholesome, i.e., sex, the physical intimacy that is designed for the marriage relationship, 
in a natural state, hey, Hebrews says marriage is honorable and all and the bed undefiled. Yeah. So in that sense, it is like, hey, have at it. Go enjoy the let your wife's breast satisfy you at all times, you know. But when you take that into the unnatural realm or the extreme, now we've got a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, what would be the extreme? Anything more than the one woman that you have committed yourself to for the rest of your life, you know, yep. home improvement. I know not everything on home improvement is probably passing mustard, but the TV show Home Improvement, yeah. a with, lot with, of good marriage counseling. With Tim Taylor. Tim not Taylor, temptation. not temptation. Tim, Tim Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> but I remember that. It's all making sense. You remember Wilson Wilson? Yeah, he's always. Yeah, yeah I yeah. wish I had the quote down pat, but I remember one time when he was talking to Tim across the fence, and he said that, a great lover is not a man who has a different woman every night, but a man who stays with the same woman for a lifetime. Wow. It, it is something like that. And and look, I heard Tim or I heard Wilson say that on home improvement years ago, and I still remember it almost perfectly. Yeah. But I still remember that. Like, okay, that's the definition of a great man and a great lover. It's not what's portrayed out there in the Hollywood world or the pornographic world. It's actually what's portrayed in God's word. A yes. man that is so committed to loving his wife and honoring his wife. I, I don't know if this is I don't know if this is too cheesy or maybe is not the right quote to use, but I remember Paul Newman in regards to adultery used to say, Why go out for hamburger when I got steak at home? And pretty much you have the love of your life at home, the your prized jewel, the woman there's nothing wrong with with thinking about your wife and just loving your wife and being attracted to your wife and all those wonderful verses you talked about earlier. There's nothing wrong with that. But what's wrong is is when we look for it in other places. I yeah, Proverbs 6 follows Proverbs 5. Correct. Proverbs 6.23, the commandments lamp, law is light. I want to go back to that before sure. we're done with all this because the Word of God has a real role in this, not just some something we say, it actually matters, according to Scripture, the Word cliche. of God is your power to do this. It will keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. Okay? So Proverbs 6 follows Proverbs 5. you got to pursue your wife, love her, honor her, enjoy her, and stay away from this over here that's trying to draw you away. Which is thoughts. Images, computer screens, it's not just actual physical women. Music, songs. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Movies. So we were talking about escape, just to kind of nail that back down. Yeah. Back to G.K. Chesterton's quote that every time a man knocks on a brothel door, he's outwardly looking for that release, that escape, that relief, but he is really from that deep, true self actually looking for what only God can provide. And so I think it's important as men, we need to say to one another, understand when you are drawn to that, there is something inside of you that is very true and real yes. that n- there's a need that needs to be met. But right. you got to go to God first. In fact, yes. if you want your relationship with your wife to be right, if you want the marriage bed to be right, right. You, better, you better go to God. Well, it's that old triangle illustration that people used to give. The closer you get to God, each of you, you'll get to each other. But even that, talking about that void that we're searching to be filled, 
That is why a lot of people go from one addi addiction to the other. Mm -hmm. The purpose of this podcast is not to get a guy to stop looking at pornography just so he can gain 50 pounds. Mm -hmm. That's not mm -hmm. the purpose mm -hmm. of this podcast. It's not so you can stop lusting after women, but then only to satisfy your urge in another means. It's so you can make right your relationship with God. So I got two more. I just these are pretty heavy. Uh, these are probably the bigger ones that I thought of, but I kind of want to get you guys to tell me how it resonates with you, especially. So I think one of the things that might be a driving force behind this is the idea of control. Men, of course, want to be in control. They want to fix things. I was just watching Barney fife the other day on the episode convicts at large that's the andy griffith show for you uncultured people you better not burn these burgers al yeah and remember when uh, sally wanted to dance with him mm -hmm. and he finally agrees because big maud's got the pistol on him oh, yeah. and uh and she starts dancing with him and barney says well let me lead you know it's just that in that that thing that a man wants to be in control about that yeah. here's the problem when it comes to this or here's where one of the draws i think can be with pornography a man can feel in control because all he's got to do is click and look. Yeah. And the woman's responding. The woman's offering herself. The woman is, I mean, it might not be free. I mean, for the statistic you gave, it costs money to do a lot of this stuff. But it's free in that it, well, can I just quote John Eldridge? Sure. And, and I'll, I'll kind of caveat this with the first part of this quote, I wouldn't necessarily agree with, but it's how he ends it that kind of brings it together. He says, what makes pornography so addictive is that more than anything else in a man's life, it makes him feel like a man. Stop, quote. And I think, uh, really? I don't know if I agree with that. But then the rest of the quote says, it makes him feel like a man without ever requiring a thing of him. Okay, now I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Because it's click and look. And he doesn't have to worry about rejection. He doesn't have to worry about... Her being like, you know, I'm I'm tired, the headache, I gotta wash my hair, my sister's coming, whatever the the things yeah. are. I'm tired, yeah, all that stuff, yeah, yeah. See, so a man has a sense of control with this. Now, that do you think that is that connecting with somebody if they're listening to this? Is somebody getting that? Yeah, I think absolutely, because I mean, he's being served. He's literally a consumer. Mm. He is he is receiving a product, and the part of the control you can get what you want. You can you can search after whatever it is you're looking for. You can acquire it, and we know this isn't the case, but there's no ramifications. There's no, well, you don't have to do anything. There's no responsibility. Yeah, yeah. There, there's nothing that is asked of me in order to get, it's just click, click, boom, and then I've acquired. And so, yeah, I control everything. My wildest dreams are before me, and, and everything's right there. And yet there. the sad reality is is that it's all fake. Yeah, correct. Because real, genuine, true, like anything else in life, parenting, walking with God, your marriage requires work. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 5. Oh, yeah. Men love this verse. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Then you got 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that tells us, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman her own have her own husband. Mm -hmm. Wives, render due benevolence to the husband. We like that part. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. I'm back in Ephesians 5. 
for the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ, oh, wait a minute, is the head of the church. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. 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 Clap, clap. Right? Oh. And then you get to verse 25. Here's the work. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. That's it. That's the key. That's what brings it. His desire is to sanctify it and cleanse it and to present it a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. So ought men to love their wives. That's it. There's the work, fellas. And if you want the real deal, you got to do the work. Yep. you got to love her and cherish her. And if you'll do that, you can win your wife's deep affection. Ah. The fundamental marriage counseling that I have gone to all these years because, I, look, I'm not a great counselor, and I've said that all through the years. I'm not a great counselor. I don't know a lot of stuff. But when it comes to marriage counseling, I'm going to go to Ephesians 5 every time, and I'm going to, I'm going to say it this plainly. Husbands, if you will love your wife, no matter what, you love her. And wives, if you'll respect that husband and honor him, well, but he don't deserve respect. I know it. I know he's a lazy slob, but if you'll respect him anyway, you watch what happens. Not tomorrow, maybe not by next week, but you watch what happens. You do it because God says do it. You do it because it's the right thing to do. Not because he is Christ, but you're to do it as unto Christ. And husbands say, well, you know, she's just, she just ain't the one I married anymore. Well, you love her anyway. Yeah. She, don't, she don't respect me. I don't want to. You love her. Watch what will happen over time. Yeah. I don't know a lot, but I know this. It's God's word, and it's works. It's worked, and it works. Yeah. Can I say this? Stop buying your wife flowers for Valentine's Day and buy them just because any other time. We, we, and let me, let, me, let me go in. There's nothing wrong with Valentine's <laughs> Day, but let me just explain myself for a minute. We're romantic when we're supposed to be romantic. Mm-hmm. We cry at weddings. We buy roses at Valentine's Day. Why don't you be romantic 365 days out of the year? Why don't you Mm -hmm. be romantic every day of the week, every hour, every minute of the day, and just love your wife instead of fitting a cliche? And we're going to stop right there for this week's episode. We hope you'll tune back in next week as we go a little more into what do we do to help men in this struggle? How do we overcome the temptations And how do we fight the good spiritual warfare against this plague of hidden sexual sin? In the heart of a champion, there is a fire. And the flames are controlled.